When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I reached out to the Patreon members and asked for some questions and said, what do you want to hear about? And I love that I got two Patreon members who had very similar questions. And this is what we're going to talk about for this episode. So Kelly wrote, I'd love to hear more about staying calm and turning within when faced with the challenge. I sometimes get out of control quickly and start to spiral into panic mode, completely forgetting that I have higher power right here to guide me. It's like I need something to smack me and say, snap out of it. And then Stacy submitted the question, when you feel challenged in life, can you share some go-to practices that help you feel more centered? So I want to thank both Stacy and Kelly for submitting these awesome, awesome suggestions. What I love about both of these questions is that it really speaks to life's challenges. And I have said before that I think that when I first started doing recovery, I maybe thought that somehow everything was going to be okay and that I'd never have any problems and that if I just followed these steps and found my inner being, my centered self, that I would never have to deal with any stress ever again. Well, that's not necessarily the case. We are humans living this complicated, complicated life experience that is intermeshed and intertwined with so many other variables, so many other people, so many other circumstances. And so the first step, I think, is to give ourselves grace and give ourselves compassion, knowing that 
What we're looking for is how to be able to manage these situations, manage these circumstances in our lives, manage these challenges with a firmer foundation of trust and of faith and knowing that we can handle anything, that we can get through any complication, any difficulty, anything, any challenge that comes our way. Because we have spiritual fortitude, we have spiritual strength, we have spiritual power. And when we're coming from that place, that is the knowing that everything is working out for its highest good, even when it doesn't feel that way, that we can trust that everything's going to be all right. So what is all right? So sometimes all right doesn't look like what we had envisioned when we were thinking of what our life was going to be like. An example is my mom. I keep thinking of her with her house burning down in the fire in December. She just closed on and moved into a really lovely home about four minutes away from me, even closer than her first house. And, you know, she lost everything that she owned in that fire and her world turned upside down And because she was able to stay centered, she was able to trust that everything would be guided and brought to her in the right and appropriate ways, and to just be open to the goodness and the awareness that she was going to be okay. It is really fascinating to see how she's moved into this new house that is smaller than her old house but actually better suited for a 75-year-old woman. It's all on one level. She's going to have less space to take care of. It has an apartment that is built in into the basement that she'll be able to rent out, both to have a little bit of extra income and also to be able to have somebody in the house that makes her feel comfortable, but not living with her. You know, they have their own space. And who would have thought that? Because when we were in the crisis of losing her home and 75 years of her belongings, it couldn't possibly seem that six months later that she would be in such a peaceful place, in such a peaceful place. So the question is, how do we have tools? How do we recognize that spiral that's starting to happen What are some go-to practices to help us stay in a centered place and not allow ourselves to spiral? Well, I also want to say that there's different levels of things that happen and that we just need to, again, not have judgment, not have anything in our mind that says we should be behaving in any particular way. And so just to be kind and gentle to yourself, that there's a lot of different circumstances that happen. And there's a lot of past trauma that happens in our lives that might spark in one person something that they can totally handle. And in somebody else, it has a different trigger method because it is bringing up those emotions that had been pushed down in there, like in the resentment episode, where our past emotions get stored in our body, energetically in our body. And so each time something comes up, well, one thing to recognize is that it is actually also bringing up with it anything else that might have a similar energy tone to it. 
And we need to recognize that part of this process that we're doing is not only allowing ourselves in the moment to utilize some of these practices to find peace, but to also allow those moments in your life where you do feel triggered or brought into a spiral to be curious about why this particular situation feels so unmanageable, why this particular situation might be hurting so much, why this particular situation is throwing you into a crisis spiral. Have some curiosity about, is there something inside underneath that needs to be continued to be released, to be worked on, to be recognized, to be touched so that you can let it go. So there's a lot of variables, a lot of factors that go along with this. So when I first started my soul recovery, I still had the boys around here in Colorado. And particularly, we had Alex here. And he wasn't living in our house with us. He hasn't lived with us since he was 18, but he was working with my husband, Rich. And so there was all of that drama and all that complexity. And I remember when I first started doing soul recovery, one of the things that I did was a insight timer app course. And it was like this 30 day or 28 day mantra course. And so what I did every morning when I woke up was I would turn on that day of the course, it would have a a saying, and then it would have these mantras that were that were sung. And it's very similar, I think, to Deepak Chopra, who has these courses that you can do where every day you're building on, on your meditation skills and on the ability to quiet your mind. And what I loved about that is because we know that regular practice and regular rewiring our mind is required and needed for us to change our structure of how our brains think. Again, I've said in the past that our brains have these neurons, these neuron paths. They are these super highways of the mylar that is holding together these particular neuron paths. And so when we have a feeling, it triggers and it goes on to this, this highway, this super highway. And those super highways are not often the best thought process for us, the best thought patterns for us, but that's where our brain goes. So when we're, we're doing soul recovery and we're regenerating how our brains think, we've got to make this effort for our brains to be able to take a different path and begin to deconstruct those massive highways that are clogged and full of nasty traffic and honking horns and, and yuckiness, all that stuff that you feel when you're in heavy, heavy traffic, because that is the traffic of fear and pain and anxiety and depression. And we're moving our thought processes out of that. We're leaving that behind, but it takes a very specific way for us to begin to practice and move our thought processes. So when I did this particular course, this 30 day, I think it was a 28, 30 day course. What I remember was that as I was doing it, I still, even waking up in the morning would feel this panic of the day. 
And that as she was singing this mantra, which I can't remember what the mantra was, but, and would do the little bit of talking that came beforehand and then move into the mantra. I have this distinct memory of how hard my brain was wanting to move onto the super highway of being worried about what was going to happen that day, whether Rich and Alex were going to have a fight that day, whether I was going to have trouble at work that day, what the relationships were going to be like, the people that I was interacting with that were stressful, that my brain wanted to just jump into that negative, heavy, complicated place. And that I I remember just allowing myself space And as she would sing this mantra, I found myself finding the words that worked for me. And my words at that time were, all is well, all is well, all is well. And I would try to utilize the meditation skills of just coming back to your breath, coming back to whatever your mantra is, coming back to whatever the words that you're using, your affirmation. And slowly, 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 by the end of those 28 or 30 days, I remember feeling a real difference in how I felt about my day from the beginning of that course to the end of that course. And that was the real beginning of my using my morning time as this very specific spiritual setting of my day, this intention that I was going to have for my day, allowing myself to not jump right up into emails, into text messages, into social media. Those are the things that put us right back onto that super highway of stress. Just like exercise, not that I would know anything about exercise, because I still can't seem to quite get myself to the gym. But spiritual exercise I'm really working on. So just like any spiritual exercise, any physical exercise, anytime you're learning a new skill, it's about allowing yourself time and patience and compassion and consistency in whatever that platform is so that you can see the growth and the development. If you're working out, you will see something happen and change in your body And when we do the spiritual practice, we can see and feel the changes that happen in our heart and in our mind. When we realize that we can't have something that we're not practicing, that we're just out in the world doing our lives and we're not putting our spiritual practice some 10, 15 minutes of your day into a regular routine And then when a circumstance happens, when we're in a situation and having a challenge, it's hard to grab onto immediately what those positive tools are to help you calm down because they're not right there at the ready. They're way down there somewhere in the bottom of your suitcase. They're not on the top of your toolbox ready to be utilized and used at that very moment. It's really important for you to decide for you, whatever it is for you. And some people love to have mindfulness while they're walking. Um, That time that I was doing it for that challenge and that course that I would wake up in the morning, put my headset on, not even get out of bed. 
Maybe it isn't in the morning. Maybe it's actually in the evening. Maybe it's during a lunch hour at work where you go and you sit in your car or sit by a river. Whatever your life is, we all have different lives that are complicated. So in your own life, to give yourself that quiet time, that meditation time of whatever it is for you that works for you. I personally love being able to listen to music, listen to guided meditations, having something that I can put my mind to. That is how I set my day. The next piece that's really been important for me is to work on my breathing. We don't even pay attention to our breath. And it's amazing how all these functions in our bodies are totally working and keeping us alive at any given moment. Thank goodness. And we don't even notice. We don't even know. Well, we can't feel our blood rushing through our veins unless we put our hand on our wrist and or our heart and feel our pulse. We can not really necessarily feel a lot of these bodily functions that keep us going all the time, but our breath is right there. To be mindful and to be able to utilize this faculty that actually is very calming. Now, most of us, when you're breathing, if you breathe, do you breathe out of your chest? Do you breathe so that it comes from your stomach? Do you breathe shallow? Do you breathe deep? When we're in stress, we start to breathe more heavily, more tight, more rushed. So when we allow ourselves to actually utilize our breath, that when somebody is saying something or something is starting to happen, to almost immediately go into recognizing your breath, allowing yourself to take deep breaths, breathing out whatever is starting to stress you, just to bring yourself into that present moment and utilize the skills that come from that, not only in peacefulness, but how that actually physically affects your body and promotes a calm that happens by the way that the breath then brings oxygen through all of your veins and all your blood and actually helps stimulate your mind. It actually is a immediate medicine to recognize that that breath can calm you down. Sometimes I've had to step away from situations. If somebody is starting to really upset me, I'm getting pretty upset. I'm getting freaked out. I'm starting to go into the spiral. I'm starting to panic. One of the first things that I'll do is if I can stand there in that situation and just allow myself to breathe, to bring that breath, not only into my chest, into my lungs, but down into my diaphragm, filling my stomach, really making sure that my stomach extends too. That is the fullest access of your breath. And in that breath moment, you can be asking for help. You can use the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You can use everything is working out. It's okay. I'm okay. Whatever those words are for you that need to come at that time, giving yourself quiet, giving yourself 
peace, giving yourself space, even when it's crazy and chaotic, you can utilize that ability to come back to your breath and create your own internal space where you are providing your body with the nutrients that it needs to help relieve stress. So when I go back to times in my life where there was trauma and chaos, one of my other tools that I've been working on is in the past, what I would do is I would go into fix it mode. And I think about times when I'd be at work and I'd get a call from my son and something was happening. I still, to this day, am working on my PTSD of his phone calls. And he he and I talk about it that he is not calling me in stress anymore. And it has been years and years and years and years and years, but it was such a profound time that he was always calling me in crisis that when the phone rang, my heart would jump and it'd start to beat faster and I immediately would be stressed. And even if he was okay, it was only one out of five phone calls that he would call me where there was actually nothing wrong. And now it's one out of a hundred phone calls that something is wrong. But my brain has had to take all this time to relieve myself of that initial fear that came from all those years of all that trauma. So the first step is to give yourself patience and understanding and to not attach too tightly to, even though I just use the word PTSD, to not attach too tightly to that diagnosis of yourself, not attach too tightly to the feeling that there is something wrong, but to allow yourself to actually feel kindness for yourself that this relationship with this person has been complicated and hard and painful and is required a lot of allowing and letting go and may still require a lot of allowing and letting go. So just to recognize what that relationship is and to take it for what it is and not have too much expectation of it being what you wish that it would be, what you wish that you could have, because that not getting what you want from that person also creates pain. So now that Alex is doing so much better and those phone calls come, I have worked that part of myself to change how I feel when the phone call happens and to be more expecting and hoping for and looking forward to a conversation that's really about how his life is going and what's happening. But I still have that part of me that is, and it's going to probably take a long time from everything that we went through, that is allowing me to just recognize that I'm still figuring out what that relationship is. That that highway, that super highway of how my neurons worked when we were working together still wants to glom onto control, glom onto fixing it, glom onto knowing exactly what's happening so that I can do something about it so that I can control it. It's going to take more than these four years for me that I've had so far to be able to let those go. Even last night he called, he had gotten back from a trip 
And, and I, I recognize in myself, just allowing myself that grace of using those tools, being conscientious of my breath, reminding myself everything's okay. And there was nothing wrong. He was perfectly happy and had a wonderful time. And it's just allowing whatever that conversation is and not having expectation of how I think it's going to go either positive or negative to practice being neutral and curious and open and being a good listener, being kind to yourself in these complicated relationships, especially if you have somebody with addiction, somebody that you've had a traumatic relationship with, that it isn't going to change overnight, that it's been years and years and years and years that it took for that relationship to be in dysfunction. And it might take that same number of years for it to resolve. I love how Kelly said, it's like I need something to smack me and say, hey, snap out of it. What would that be for you? That's one of the main things is each of you has your own path, your own experience, your own life, your own situations, your own experiences. So what is that word for you? For me, it's all is well. All is well. Just a reminder, all is well, all is well. But it could be completely different for each of you, but you need to have it right there in the top of your toolbox so that when you are in that moment, it's right there ready for you. So as you practice your spiritual practice during the day, every day, as you have prayer and meditation, as you allow yourself grace to know that this isn't an overnight fix and to also be okay. If you have a spin out, if you go into a spiral, it's not about being calm and practiced and completely even all the time. That's okay too. But to sooner than before, to not go down that spiral as deep, to not go down the dark hole as far, to recognize how your body's feeling, to recognize what those past feelings that might be coming up are. Are they attached to this? Am I looking at this situation from my fear from the past? Or am I able to actually look at the facts of the situation and have a level of detachment from what's happening? Can I trust that everything is working out okay, even if it's not working out the way that I wish that it would? Give yourself compassion and allow the grief that may be part of the process. Grief is loss and transition. Maybe something's changing. There's a lot of allowing the emotions just to go through you. And sometimes it's about letting that pain be, allowing that cry to really happen, allowing the anger to actually come up so that you're allowing those feelings just like they need to be allowed because feelings are actually very momentary. But because we hold on to them and try to shove them down, they end up resonating and occupying our brains and our bodies longer than they actually are. So sometimes it's about letting those feelings come for that moment and then moving on to trying to calm yourself. You're each in your own unique experience. I feel that when I look at my life now compared to where it was years ago, 
I just have more capacity to experience whatever's happening in my life. And I have more ability to hold whatever's happening for other people without the need to fix it or change it for them. I have more compassion for myself first, more compassion for the people around me. And that through the use of a daily practice of spirituality, that my mind is quieter, that I'm not immediately drawn to that super highway of stress and trauma. So I hope these were helpful tips to you and that they will provide you with some way to be able to be in a challenge and come back to yourself, allow yourself to feel, connect to who you are inside, be curious about what else is underneath and grab those tools that are ready and waiting for you because you've been practicing them. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.